This is Healing Through Love. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Healing Through Love. My name is Olivia Luna, and I'm just a 32-year-old single woman who has never been in love before. And this podcast is my journey to find a healthy, healing, long-term monogamous relationship. Along the way, I get to talk to some wonderful friends and loved ones, along with some experts in the fields of dating, relationships, and healing. Today, I have with me the very insightful Zach Beach. Zach is a love coach with a master's in psychology and the best-selling author of The Seven Lessons of Love and Two Poetry Collections. He's the founder of the Heart Center Love School and the host of the Learn to Love podcast. Zach has taught and coached thousands of couples and individuals on how to deepen their love and connection. You can learn more about his work by heading to ZachBeach.com. Now, before we get into the talk, just a friendly reminder, if you are loving this podcast, please consider giving a five-star review. It really helps in extending the reach. Also, if you are able to support financially, You can now become a monthly donor by hitting the link in the show notes that says support this podcast. You can select any donation amount, even as small as like a dollar, 99 cents, any and every amount helps in furthering the growth of the podcast. Thank you all for your continued support. As always, you can reach out, tag, share about us on social media at solidarity underscore media, and you can head to solidaritymediaproductions.com to continue the conversation. If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, we have some polls and some questions at the bottom of each episode that you can also submit your answers to. All right, let's get into today's talk. All right, everyone. So I have with me today, Zach Beach. Zach, how are you today? I'm wonderful, Olivia. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. Um, Can we kind of just start at the beginning? Just tell us, you know, how you got started um, and how you came to start doing the work that you're doing today. Um, well, I like to say I was born at a very young age. That's my joke for today. <laughs> but I would... <laughs> um, where did I get started? I would just say that about 12 years ago, I decided that love is the reason that we are here on this planet. And I decided to devote my entire life to bringing more love into the world. And love is a multifaceted and incredible thing. And there are many different ways that we can explore love in our own lives. I tend to think of my work in the world as being on the level of the body, the heart, and the mind. So on the level of the body, I teach yoga and partner yoga and time massage and get people to get in touch with their bodies, love their bodies. On the level of the heart, I write poetry and do spoken word. And on the level of the mind, I teach and lecture and write and do workshops to help people have the skills to be more loving in their lives. I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, was there anything that like happened in your life that were, or are you just naturally like a super loving person that you always wanted to do that? <laughs> or did, was there any like, uh, like, I guess, catalyst in your life that sort of said, okay, this is what I want to do? Mm, I wouldn't say it was a catalyst because for me, it, it has always been a continuous deepening. I wouldn't even say that I'm the, but like an extremely loving individual. I would simply say that I try, I try my best to live with an open heart. And for me, it has largely been about spiritual practice, which to me is an iterative process of step one, reflect on what really matters most in life. And step two, try to live in line with those values. So when I was 20 years old, I was on the career track, right? I went to a school which was focused on getting me a degree that would get me a job. So I started out in engineering actually because I was told that to 
earn a living. You have to do something relatively mundane in order to uh, have money. And then you would spend like the, your free time doing what you actually enjoy. And I didn't last very long. I realized that money isn't the sole key to happiness. And actually, I realized that connection and love and belonging is crucial to our own happiness. And we live in a world that does not prioritize love and connection. So it really just has been that continual process of reflecting, inquiry, and action of seeing what we can do to better improve each other's lives. And I'm imperfect, just like you, and I make mistakes, just like you. And I ha I do sometimes try to be as loving as possible. And then, you know, my partner might be like, you know, what you just said isn't very loving. <laughs> you know, get flown get it you know back at me and I was like okay okay thanks for the reminder I know <laughs> so trying to build a reputation you know as being loving is also a nice little challenge because it's like you get those reminders <laughs> mm. I love that you say that though because yeah I definitely think like as as I dive further into like my healing journey and like you know just wanting to just like feel good and and be confident in my loving um, it is easy to forget, like, we're going to make mistakes. Like, we're definitely not perfect mm -hmm. at all. And this journey is also not, like, uh, as smooth or straightforward as we might think it could be. Like, it could lead us into mm -hmm. various different paths. But um, I just appreciate, like, your sort of candor in that, like, yes, I'm not perfect. And I'm I, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, get it right mm -hmm. every time. So that's, that's a fair point. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, uh, specifically about the practices or techniques that you have um, to express and find love and everything? Well, there's love we can cultivate inside of ourselves and there's love that we can bring out into the world. And I do find that meditation is one of the most powerful tools that we have. It's We can think of meditation as different things, but what I usually just go back to is this word bhavana, which means cultivation. It's almost like tending the garden of the mind and the heart. So there are compassion cultivation trainings, and I even recently got certified in a discipline known as mindful self-compassion, which is all about giving compassion to ourselves. So it's quite incredible the transformation that can happen by sitting for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just to open our heart and better love ourselves. But sometimes that involves meditating on retreats for long hours at a time to look at all the obstacles that we have to prevent love from flourishing. But we have to get off our meditation cushion after that, right? So that's where relationship comes in. And I do believe that a loving relationship is one of the best containers for our own healing and growth is that's when the going gets tough, right? When our need for independence meets our need for connection and as they conflict. And on a global sense, of course, I do think of that quote by Cornell West that love, um, justice is what love looks like in public, right? So of course, we can't forget that we aren't isolated individuals working on our own loving uh, path, but we are intimately connected to all the people around us. And uh, I like to get involved in things like restorative justice um, in order to um, help everyone. Absolutely. That sounds so uh, just uh, holistic in a way in that like, 
we obviously we start in, with the inner work and like ourselves and then we move out to like our partners or the the sort of relationships that we have around us and then the the mm-hmm. last step is like that global kind of mindset um so i love how just like expansive that kind of work is as well mm-hmm. um I, I also love that you use uh, the word compassion right um i feel like mm. I, that's a that's a word that's kind of come up a lot for me i'm curious how mm-hmm. you define compassion and what that means for you yeah it's really easy it's that compassion is a desire for someone to be alleviated of their suffering. Mm. And if I were to go a little bit deeper into that, I'll just say, if we want to think about what love is, one of the most simple definitions is that love is a genuine concern for another person's well-being. If you want someone to be happy and not to suffer in life, that's love. So we have this love inside of ourselves that we can give to other people in our lives. And depending on how they are doing, our love will change a little bit. So if a friend is doing really well, like they just got a promotion at their job, then we can say our love is sympathetic joy or joy in their joy. If our friend is doing okay, kind of neutral, we might use the word loving kindness. We just want them to be happy. But if our friend or our partner or somebody is suffering, then our love transforms a little bit into compassion a desire for their suffering to be alleviated. So there is also a shared suffering here that I don't want to neglect. The word compassion actually comes from the Latin compati, which means to suffer with. So it's very different than empathy, which is almost an emotional resonance, but but compassion is that empathy combined with an intention and a motivation for that suffering to be relieved. So you're not just wallowing in suffering together, but you have the motivational qualities to want to help relieve that person of that suffering. Wow, you just broke it down. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) That's so great. yeah, it, 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 I love that you, you know, you're using very just like clear, concise words, especially when it comes around like, de, you know, defining emotions. Um, I definitely like struggled with just how to one cope and deal with my big emotions, like more eruptive emotions. Um, do you have any like uh, tips or insight for anyone who's maybe listening in how to cope or, yeah, how to process through those bigger emotions? I'd love to, but for a bit, a little bit more context, what emotions are you describing? Mm-hmm. Like, what are those challenging emotions you're having a hard time coping with? Definitely for me, anger is a big one. Mm. Um, sadness, I usually I go from like either extreme anger to extreme sadness. Um, and then... Mm. I don't know if this is an emotion, but anxiety or fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first, I just want to say that's amazing. You already <laughs> have that crucial first step of identifying an emotion. So we even have this phrase, name it to tame it. So even as soon as we're able to verbalize whatever it is that we're experiencing, it's able to loosen its hold on us. And if we can continue this exercise a little bit more, Let's think about this anger that you're describing. Let's say I were to give you a button. And if you press that button, you would never experience anger again for the rest of your life. You would be Mm. anger free 100%. Would you press that button? No. (laughs) No. Why not? Because I know that there's a lot of good things that kind of come from my Mm -hmm. anger especially around like you talk about, you know, social justice and 
you know, fighting for things, fighting for other people. I think my biggest um, willpower sort of comes from when I'm in this place of like extreme anger about something. Absolutely. You nailed that on the head a little bit. You're so, you're so good. You're so insightful. I don't, you're, you, I shouldn't be interviewing you for this podcast because that's it. It's like, first of all, it's easy to label a certain emotion as negative and think that we shouldn't be experiencing it, which is the opposite of naming it to taming it because what we resist persists. So any psychologist will tell you any attempt to push down and not feel an emotion is just going to make it stronger in the long run. So important an important part of um, not pushing it away is thinking about what inner wisdom might this emotion ha have. And that's something important about all of our emotions is that they're all teachers. They're all trying to tell us something. So absolutely, even something as strong and intense as anger is a teacher. And it's an inquiry I love to give along the lines of, if you could press that button, would you? And most people say no, because anger is important. It's important um, motivational force when a boundary has been crossed, for example, or when we see injustice in the world, or when we see environmental destruction in the world. It's a perfectly reasonable response to have anger at, at what we are seeing in the world. And I sometimes go back to something I heard in kindergarten when my teacher said, Zach, there's a difference between being angry and throwing chairs. So, <laughs> that's a good one. So that, that's the first step <laughs> is, what, is being able to recognize our emotions without getting so caught up in them. So one metaphor is that we invite them in for tea. Right. We're like, okay, hi, anger. It's nice to see you. What do we, what do we have for today? What's our lesson for today? And it's actually like, well, your boss is mistreating you. And that's why I'm here today to tell you that you have to set up some boundaries or you have to talk to HR or you have to come to a solution to this problem. So obviously we see what a problem unrestrained anger is in the world. We see the violence and hatred and ill will that it causes. So we don't want to let it uh, overtake our experience, but we do want to still use it, um, on our path and use it as a teacher. And we can have that same approach to the other emotions that you experience, sadness, mm -hmm. anxiety, fear, etc. We can invite them in for tea and see what they have to say, see what they're trying to teach us. And as Shun Shunryo Suzuki would say, we leave the front door open, right? We invite them in for tea and the back door open too. You don't let them hang out for too long. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's so great. Like, it's good to know, like, they're not going to stay overnight, right? <laughs> like, they can, no. you know, come for a visit, have a nice chat, and then move along. Um, I appreciate that metaphor. Um, yeah. Thank you. And that's, that's I that's such a great exercise. And, yeah, I feel like really just um, – taking that time to like reflect on like why I'm experiencing this, where it might be coming from, um, obviously letting it move through me in some way. Um, do you mm -hmm. also incorporate like, like you talked about yoga, um, what sort of physical practices that you have for, you know, dealing with emotions? Mm. Yeah, I just want to um, speak again to different tools that we can use. And then how we might use movement as a way to to work through it and express it. So one important tool that you might have heard of, it's a mindfulness tool called RAIN. And we already kind of did the first, first two steps. Okay, so R-A-I-N, recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. So simply recognizing it 
as we just as you just did so marvelously. Oh, what emotion am I experiencing? And this is actually a really kind of crucial integration of the brain. We have the logical language processing part of our brain and the limbic system processing part that does the emotions. And we kind of create a sort of top-down regulation by naming it, detaining it. And then the A is allow. So we allow ourselves to feel it, right? And you you described it well because you said allow the motion, the emotion to move through the body. So you've probably seen those studies that say it takes 90 seconds, sometimes two minutes for an emotion to run its course through the body. The reason it might seem to be longer is because our mind continues to ruminate over it and feed into those emotions. So we say what we resist persists and what we can feel, we can heal. So we allow it. And then the I and the N is investigate and nurture. And investigate isn't like, oh, I must have uh, daddy issues or something. And that's where this is coming from. No, it's investigate in your body where it is you are experiencing it. So, oh, do I feel like anger here? Do I feel sadness here? What does it feel like? Does it feel like a bowling ball in my stomach? Does it feel uh, more like a tightening, etc.? And then the N in this case is nurture. So this is where self-compassion comes in, thinking about what can I do for myself in this moment? And a lot of times that does involve something like go get a glass of water, <laughs> like have you eaten, have you showered, have you bathed? But a lot of times it's like, ah, oh, can I just let this move through my body? All right, can I just move my body in a different way? It's going to make this feel good, right? Can I get on my yoga mat and just open my heart a bit and stretch it out and move some of this tension. But sometimes that movement is much more active, right? I need to go dance. <laughs> I need to go <laughs> sweat a little bit. I was recently even talking to a studio owner and she was like, yeah, in yoga, we do seek to come to a place of stillness. But the people that come into our studio at 5 p.m. after a long day of work are not in any way able to come to a place of stillness. They need to move. They need to sweat. They need to almost exhaust themselves for that anxiety, for that stress, for maybe even the anger and frustration they feel with their boss or their workload. And then five minutes of rest at the end is finally met. And they're like, okay, whew. I can do it. So we do have to sort of think about what is my body feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And what do I need to give and offer myself in this moment? Ah, love that. Yes. I, I mean, I, I definitely feel a lot of the benefits from just like doing, I, I guess I am doing all of those steps. I didn't realize it as you were, <laughs> as you were describing I'm like, yeah, wait, yeah, I actually do do that, which is awesome. Um, yeah, and the benefits to just like that, having some sort of physical practice. I, I think I've, I've always just been like a very move, athletic kind of person. Um, but mm -hmm. when I when I then put like a certain level of intention behind my movements, you know, whether mm. it is yoga, but even if I'm just like lifting a weight or something, really being conscious of like how, like how my knees are bending or whatever, what aches and pains or tightness am I feeling? Um, and then like after the workout, you know, again, assessing, okay, did I loosen that up? Did I maybe tight, like make it worse? Mm -hmm. Do I need to, you know, investigate where that's coming from? Um, I think that's all wonderful. And I also believe that like, you know, I think you touched on this too, you know, our emotions can get stored in our body a lot of times, at least for mm -hmm. me, when, when I don't process them, right? Like if I don't process my anger, I feel like 
knots all in my back, in my shoulders. Like I'm literally mm-hmm. like it's, it mm-hmm. felt like I'm carrying the weight of of this anger. Um, I strongly encourage everyone to definitely check out, um, you know, more of what you do. do you, can you um, share a little bit about um, where people can kind of find your your work? Sure. I first want to mirror you back because you got it all right. You are <laughs> nailing it on the head. First, Thank you mentioned you. <laughs> intention, and that's it, right? The Buddha said our entire life arises from the tip of our intention. Mm-hmm. And in spirituality, we say there are two wings to our spiritual awakening, wings like wings on a bird. We have our attention, which needs to be in the here and now on our body and our experience, and our intention. And with one wing, you just fly in circles, but together you can reach the heavens Mm. and you also mentioned yes these things stay in our bodies so you probably heard the body keeps the score Mm -hmm. or the issues are in the tissues (laughs) like we we have such a cognitive centric world we think everything occurs in the mind we forget about these temples these bodies this somatic experience of actually being alive so you know on on the head you're amazing thanks so much for having me my name is Zach Beach. I'm super easily stockable. You can go to ZachBeach.com and Zach Beach Love on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for just this, you know, wonderful little chat today, Zach. I just wanted folks to just kind of hear you and, and a little bit about you, what you do and your insight. And this has definitely given me a lot more perspective on, on like my emotions and, you know, different ways that I can kind of like work through them. So really appreciate your mm-hmm. time today. Cool. Thank you so much, Olivia. Thank you all so much for joining me today on another episode of Healing Through Love. As always, if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, feel free to reach out on social media at solidarity underscore media. If you head to the show notes of today's episode, you'll find links and more information about today's guest. Thank you all so much for your continued support and look forward to updating you soon. Bye.